0: real life
1: superpowers a culture of a team or an organization a, a company is what the leader creates allows and promotes and they're doing it all the time so by every decision they're shaping the culture by what they say and what they don't say shapes the culture If somebody does amazing work and I don't say a word about it as a leader, I've just said that is the expectation and you don't get thanks around this organization. That is the culture that I have just created by not saying something.
2: Hey guys, today we speak with Nir Magnazi and Lynette Winter, two of Intel's leadership coaches. In late 2018, Lynette and two senior leadership coaches with extensive experience, were recruited by Intel's senior management to envision and create a leadership program to invest in the company's managers. For those unfamiliar with Intel, it's the world's largest semiconductor chip manufacturer, ranked number 45 in the Fortune 500 list of the largest U.S. corporations. What do Nir and Lynette do? They coach Intel's managers, helping them lead through empathy and become the type of leaders that people want to follow. For a large corporation such as Dental, accurate leadership is a necessity, but what applies on a large scale is super relevant for any organization. At the end of the day, it's all about human beings moving things together and how they do it. Lynette and are pros. They know how to shine a light into the right areas and work through growing from them. You'll immediately hear how passionate they are and how much they truly care about their mission. Anyone who wants to become more effective in working with people will hopefully find value in this unique episode. These guys know what they're talking about and are very practical and eager to share their knowledge. Enjoy your listen.
0: Real life
2: superpowers.
3: Up in the side, it's a bird. It's a plane. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. It's alive. Real life
2: superpowers. Lynette and Nir, welcome to Real Life Superpowers.
1: Hi. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Delighted to have a conversation with you today.
2: We are as well, very much. And we, we feel like uh, talking to you guys uh, reflects a lot of what we're trying to achieve in this podcast, trying to empower people and trying to get our listeners to tap into their own superpowers, which is, in other words, what you guys do as your day job, right?
0: The definition of coaching.
2: Tell us more about that. Yeah, it's...
0: Um... I think the way you start with coaching is there's an engagement and usually it's around the challenge yet as a coach our approach is not to solve this person has been dealing with this problem for a long time now and when we get in the picture what do we know about this problem how can we solve a problem that someone has thought about it for so long so how do we help that person is first we, we relax and we see the person and i want to say see the person i think we see more of the person we see what they don't see with their with their left brain right with their logical brain we feel the person their superpowers their uniqueness their creativity their ability to create and we have a deep belief in their ability to do that so together we explore that um,
1: and near I would I would add please I think your I think your list is spot on I would add their wholeness yes they come to us as complete human beings experts in their lives and this is not about we're somehow fixing someone who is broken or completing someone who is incomplete. We fundamentally believe that they are whole and complete as we connect with them and they have something they want to grow and all of those kinds of things. That's true, too.
2: But this is very interesting because you're you're saying that people typically are aware of what's holding them back and that they have a problem. And especially uh, in a work environment where you guys are there as the coaches, you um, how does it go? Like, do people come to you with a specific problem, sort of like in Billions, where there's Wendy, if if you guys know the show, or is it more like you go on a journey together with managers?
1: I think it's both. (laughs) (laughs) So I do, typically people do come in with um, a, a challenge that they have identified. Sometimes it's not really well articulated and we can help them you know, shape that and, and put language to that. Um, And then it's a journey together because I will say in my experience of coaching, most of my coaching engagements, I'm actually surprised at what comes out and what unfolds. We, we have a trajectory, a direction we want to go, but I'm often as surprised as my clients are about what they uncover. And so sometimes people have a sense of their, like their superpower, or where they want to go. Sometimes it's a little, um, sometimes their gifts are in their blind spot and we can help name that for them just by seeing them, by meeting them in an empathetic way and coming in again with that foundational belief of they are complete and whole. And they have gifts that we can help them uncover, sometimes help them articulate more clearly, those kinds of things. But to your direct question, it is both. They typically have something and it's a journey and and we're alongside helping them unfold what that journey can really look like.
3: As a um, personal uh, proud stalker of Nir, we had a conversation once and, um, I remember something I, I, it's not the wording, but like I, I, I simplified in my brain, so I'm sorry if I'm changing it, but I think the the how and, and what, or usually the no, which could be how they see the problem and what they do. The hardest thing to do is being passive. Like when you get advice to something, he's trying to solve a problem quickly. He's trying, and you said, we don't solve problems. So it's actually getting out of the perspective. And seeing when you on blind side or objectively, okay, like a coach would do it to a team. So he's not the main attraction. So what is the biggest challenge of being objective and passive, but being active because of the expectations of solve my problem? Very good question. I think we're talking about, if I understand your question correctly,
0: about the relationship between manager and team. And how can you, as the person who's supposed to solve, how can you engage in coaching? And we know uh the the number one quality employees look for the uh, from their managers to be a coach, right? If we look at Project Oxygen of Google. And my answer is, and we am going to use a quote from from my, one of my clients. One of the insights they had is, when you come in and solve all of my problems, when you tell me what to do, I feel like I'm stupid. Now we're hiring smart people very very smart people so we should believe that they know or they're able to solve their problems on their own what is our role because we lead through others because we lead through our team our goal our purpose should be to improve Grow, develop the capabilities of our team. If the capabilities of our of our team will grow, the production, the results, the efficiency of the team will grow. We will be more successful. Now, if we will solve everything, then we're, we're the wall, we're the bottleneck. Everything needs to come through us. They can't grow if we solve everything. So, from this mindset, When our team comes to us and they need help, we need to ask ourselves, how urgent is this? Does it need to be solved immediately? Or can we spend, and I'm not exaggerating, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, and explore the problem with the team. What's the source of the problem? Help them get clear about what's really going on and how we can work it out.
1: You near, know, I, I love what you say there. i I would also add the I, I want to emphasize the piece around bottleneck. So if I'm leading a team and I'm the one who is that bottleneck of solving the real challenges, then the team is only as smart as I am. And that's a problem <laughs> because if I have a team of ten or a thousand, that team, that te- team of 10, that team of, of 1,000 is infinitely more smart, creative, capable than the one. And so I, I want to emphasize that piece of it is when we're truly um, helping others contribute, like kind of unlocking their ability to contribute and solve a challenge, then then the results aren't double, they're absolutely exponential. And I think that is one of the fundamental reasons why it's so important for leaders to be able to coach or managers to be able to coach their employees. But there's a dynamic there too, that I I thought Ronan, you were kind of pointing to, which is how do we as coaches, stay out of solving their challenge, our clients challenge. And so We model that all the time as well. This, I'm not here to give you advice. I'm not here to um, give you the answers. I'm here to unlock what is inside of you. And then when we do that, people actually experience, oh, that's what it's like. And they're much more likely to be able to turn to their employees to unlock what's possible in them.
3: That's like the hardest thing to do ever. Like as a dad, I'm saying now, forget about entrepreneurship, just sitting there and seeing it and not doing it because it's the difference between empowerment and empowerment, right? But which I agree and you have to stay objective, but like, you know what? Give me a trick how to stop that.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, so it's not a trick because I don't actually think there's tricks in this kind of work. Um, what I will offer is, something that i practice i practice it with my eight-year-old daughter i practice it with my coaching clients and i actually offer this as a perspective which is what is this situation calling for and when i ask myself that question what i do is i pull out of my reflexive or my habit of i'm gonna go solve i'm gonna go tell i'm gonna go fix and if i can slow down for just a beat just one beat to say, what is the situation calling for? Well, then I'm much more likely to make a choice. And there are times if my kid's running out in the street and it's dangerous, there's times that what what's called for is I'm going to stop. I'm going to tell. But much more often, particularly in working with adults, there's, an opportunity to help the person unpack or uncover what is possible and I think it hits to some of the fundamental human needs that we have one of the fundamental human needs is for contribution people need and really want to contribute in their work and if they're not solving problems if they're always just executing and being told what to do it takes away from a fundamental human need
2: so, how can people actually empower others to solve things on their own? Like, like
3: sort of, how do you differentiate between getting in the situation
2: from nudging them
3: to the right place? Which is
0: so. I think this is the this is the mindset that we need to dig in. Where when you say we're nudging them to the right solution, which means that we already know the solution. So even when you think that you're coaching, you're not even coaching, you're directing or mentoring them to the right solution. I think two things needs to happen. First is we need to come in with the belief that they can do it on their own. That's the first thing. And when, when we as managers, we also hold the data and the experience there's a challenge here because we might have a solution, right? And they come to us with a challenge. So we think, we think we have a problem. But why are they having this problem? Are they lacking data? Are they lacking skills? Or are they lacking a perspective? And sometimes it's not lacking, but they just have a different perspective about things. or they have different skills. So if I see that they're missing a piece of data, okay, I can offer this data, right? If they're missing a skill, I can help them train the skill. For example, um, asking questions. They come to you, say, hey, I have a conflict with this person. Now you can go and say, oh, so you should say this and that. You should ask them this and that. This is how you should behave. That's telling. And you can go and say, so what questions did you ask? How did you open the conversation? Listen to the questions, and then well, let's think about maybe other questions that would bring different perspective. How do you know, for example, what's the perspective of the other person in the conversation? huh I don't know so let's think together about questions and and you can offer it's not that you cannot offer in, in coaching many times we offer when we see a missing skill set it's okay to go into let's call it teaching mode, but it's very short of teaching and only if needed many times we find that the root of most of the problems are not technical it's about relationships now if it's technical sorry if it's technical you need to teach go and teach okay but if it's relationship there's a lot of space here for coaching
3: so it's like the end game of saying giving them the belief that they can solve in themselves that's like the outcome. The outcome is giving them the, the, the empowerment, giving them the, you believe that you can do it. So they have to believe that they can do it. Hence the problem solved because the small technicalities of that is like maintenance, right? But that would be success for you, right? Or now, I would say it's
0: a process. You start from completely believing in their ability. And
3: they, they might start from a place, might. That's why they're coming, though. They don't believe they can solve or they're having struggles to. Well, it's not about sometimes belief. It's about they're stuck in their
0: challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not in a place of awareness. Do I believe in myself or not? Of course, of course. It's a specific challenge. Correct. Right. But we believe they can. And if they believe they can't or cannot, I think right now it's insignificant because what we do is we unpack the challenge. And even if they don't believe that they can, and we do, then at least they leave with one action they can take at the end, maybe one different way of looking at the situation and the challenge. And then they go and explore and practice or experiment. It's a word that we like to use. And from experiment, they get different results and different reactions from the environment. That's how your self confidence starts to grow because you're seeing different. Results from different actions that you're taking.
1: And what's really key here is helping the client see the way they're seeing the challenge. And in a lot of cases, like I don't, I certainly am not going to be the expert in their, you know, whatever domain they're in. Um, That would severely limit my ability to support others. But to help them see how they're seeing the challenge, how they're relating to it, and to help them basically kind of shine a light in a place that they're not looking, help them see the challenge from a different perspective. And from that different perspective, it opens new possibilities. In
0: conflict, many people come to conflict from their perspective. Why am I right and the other person is wrong? why is the other person behaving this way which is completely out of norm and and irrespectable here's one question that helps open the perspective what is important to the other person or how does the other person see the situation if you were in their shoes how would they describe the situation and how would they describe you You can see how that unfolds our our own perspective about the situation.
2: I'm trying to think because I, I love that, but I'm trying to think practically because at the end of the day, you know, management is hectic and many times I am actually guessing that it's not a specific hurdle that somebody is trying to overcome, but something that's broader, but... Just, you know, some form of level of management that they've reached. And I don't mean in an hierarchy, I mean in general in their skill set. And from there, navigating leadership just is sort of what they're used to and they have their patterns. And, you know, people go through super busy days and weeks and it's not Entirely measured and especially, you know, I, I, I'm thinking in larger corporations, there's probably a lot more data to sort of evaluate, self assess and evaluate and have managers who help you do that. And they, and they, and you have coaches like the two of you. But if you're a star, a CEO of a small startup, how are you supposed to sort of self assess and identify weak points in your management and be able to know you have an issue and maybe even see how you can correct and move forward better.
1: So one thing I want to say is the experience of having too much work, too many meetings, too many, too, you know, like more work and demands than we have time, I I think is true for from a startup to people working in a large corporation. I, I think it's the experience that that most leaders have. So that that's my my take there. And what you're pointing to I think fundamentally is how do we cultivate our own self-awareness? So, it's great if you can have a coach. Fantastic. That's great if you're able to do that because that coach can help you cultivate some self-awareness or more self-awareness. I think there are other things too that we can do individually. One I would point to is, does the person have any kind of daily or weekly time scheduled for just reflecting on what has happened? Did what happened this week or this day, is it what I intended to have happen? And if not, how did that go awry? And and it's thinking about questions like, How did I further relationships this week? Because leadership is inherently a relationship based um, domain. Um, If somebody's in a startup, they're probably building relationships with investors, with customers. So, how did my relationships, how did I further them this week? Um, I think there's another one how did I spend my time this week? Is it where I needed to be spending my time. So those are like off the top of my head, a couple of questions that I would encourage anybody to just step back and reflect. And if someone can do it for five minutes every single day, that's even more powerful. If they can do it once a week, that will still gain, um, um, really gain a lot of ground in self-awareness. The other thing that I might offer there is um, notice patterns of challenges. So, oh, you know what, I I set a direction here and people aren't executing, hmm, that's still happening. Okay, if there's some recurring challenge, I would look really closely at that to say, what's happening in that system? What's, you know, what are the dynamics of it? And really reflect on that to try to understand what's happening is there a different leadership style that i need to bring to the table so recurring issues is, is one i would really point to like oh there's a recurring conflict here or we 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 miss the deadline on this kind of thing every single time there's something underneath that that's happening that's worth taking it apart
0: yes i think there's a, there's there's a mindset here that maybe we need to unpack when we're busy, we are reacting all the time. Right. And when we're reacting, we're in stress. It's very hard to access those let's call it elevated brain functions <clears throat> like um, empathy, like presence, like Wis- sensing, wisdom, wisdom from a place of stress. It's impossible. Uh, I use this metaphor. If if you're a soldier, right, I was not in the army, maybe that's why the metaphor is from there. But when you're a soldier and bullets are flying over your head, you, you don't turn to the other person and say, hey, you know what, you should you should change your stance over here. Here's how to aim better. Yeah. No, you just do whatever you need as fast as possible to solve the problem. So we're missing a very important part, which is the development of our people. Stephen Covey, the author of the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People coined the term PPC, production and production capability. That's our job as leaders. Make sure we get results, but all the time nurture those resources that get us those results. And in many cases, it's it's our team. It's the people in our company, we need to nurture them. So that's also our job. And as Lynette said, we need to carve time to do that. First, with ourselves. If we don't develop, if we're not relaxed, if we don't manage the stress, then we're not available to actually see what's going on here. You can go into a meeting with two mindsets. Solve, 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 I have another meeting in half an hour investors are calling me or how do I get this money and be occupied with that, then you're not receiving what's in the room right now and needs your attention. Or you can practice your mindfulness, you can sit back, feel the chair against your back and start to absorb and use more of your what I call brain processing power to understand what's going on and open yourself to more wisdom to more resources of your brain to see, okay, what is going on? How can we solve it together? By the way, in the room, there are many brains and collectively they're much stronger. So I think it's a practice and people should be very intentional with this practice of mindfulness, of taking those breaks for reflection and think about the race car. Every race car after certain number of laps goes into the pit stop. Even if you're number one, even if you're the lead, you're going to lose your lead to go into the pit stop.
1: And this is actually typically when insights happen. New thinking happens, not when we're in the execute, 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 do tell that person, respond to this email. Insights happen when our brain is actually more relaxed. And so it, it, creating that time for it is really important where we're not trying to solve something. Um, there's a, I just read this last night. I'm, I'm reading a book on dyslexia and there's a, a, a paragraph about Einstein. And when he had insights about the theory of relativity, it, it, he was actually daydreaming so this is this is when the insight came, not when he was working really hard on a particular problem. So this stepping back and out of the fray helps us to see the patterns, to make new connections, to have new insights. A lot of times people will say, Yeah, my best ideas in the shower or when I'm hiking. So finding those times to be self-reflective, um, finding times to kind of step out of the fray are are vital. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't even say that it's a nice to have. I think it's a have to have for most leaders. Right? If they're really serious about doing fantastic work in the world.
3: You guys are super talented and those the communication skills are, are amazing. And, uh, and also being there for other people. Okay. Which is, is the sense. Okay. Um, is, is, is very, um, very, kind and harder than being uh, active, at least on the feedback side. And I'm wondering something. You both can be the people. What was the moment where you felt the impact of helping someone else or empowering someone else or the gratitude that they gave them that you said, okay, that's this before probably being in, in culture? Like, how did you feel like that was the, the thing? Because... You both have a choice, right? When did it hit you that you can actually, like, you'd rather do help those people and gives you better and you'll be better in that or you want to have a, sorry, you want to be a master of helping other people as opposed to being a master yourself and getting other people to help you. It's a different skill set.
1: I don't know if this is going to answer your question directly, but there's a, a ton of moments that happen every week and coach.
3: No, no. Before, before, like I'm thinking of when when you made the choice to do that.
1: I think my choice came really early in my career. And that was, I walked into an organization that I had some management skills, some leadership skills, but I was not the domain expert. So I, I think it's a different challenge if you're domain expert. So I was not the domain expert and I looked at it and I said, how do I add value here? And what I knew is it wasn't going to be me getting smarter in the domain expertise. There were some people who had 20 years of experience and I just wasn't going to garner that kind of experience in a short period of time. So I said, what is my unique contribution? And so I flipped it and said, really kind of uncovering what am I good at here? And, ha- and so what I realized is, oh, what is really unique is I can help others get their technical job done. A- and then once I c- kind of saw it, I was hooked because I saw the power of it. I saw that if I needed to be contributing after only having 20 years or five years or 20 years of experience, it's like, no, I need to contribute now. It, it's, a, again, a fundamental human need. We want to contribute to something bigger than ourselves. And so I saw that really early on. And then I just continued to to grow that skill because I knew that I was getting more by supporting others in in the work that was at hand. Um, and then, and I I was doing it by intuition and reading and sensing and that kind of thing. And then came more formal education. And once I sat, had that formal education, I'm like, oh, now I can refine this skill and hone it and, and get good at it um, and get repeatable results as opposed to just doing it off of intuition. So now I bring the intuition and kind of the formal structure and how to, how to do that work. So that's for me, it came really early. And I think for some people, it can be more of a challenge. And and Ronan, this kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, which is how do you get out of, a, but I know the right answer. I think that's much more difficult to do if one is a domain expert. So I think it requires more stepping back and more self-awareness to say, what is really called for from here? And recognizing the analogy I use all the time is, if when my daughter was three, I always tied her shoes. At eight, she would not know how to tie her shoes. So there were moments where I had to really step back and say, okay, let me guide her. Let me take a breath. And let me sometimes just look away for a second because I wanted to get in and solve um, so that she developed the capability to do that. And that links back to this idea that that Neer pointed to, and Covey's idea around that capability. So, if we're always solving, we're not making room for others to grow into their own capability and and uncover their superpowers. And I think that's really limiting for a leader, but I think it's limiting for an organization as well. I, I, I think it it um, it it could be the path to this isn't going to be successful.
2: And Nir, what was your sort of aha moment? I think I connected a lot with
0: what Lynette said. We want to contribute. I think I learned it from home, from my father, uh, seeing how he managed at the age of 12, he took me to uh, the factory he managed and I saw him manage um, his employees. Most of them, uh, you know, people with very low income, they work very hard just to survive, and I could see how my father took care of them. I really fought to make sure they, they get what they need. Um, just a, a short story. One day, one of his employees comes crying to work. And I'm there, I'm seeing that she's crying. He said, hey, what's going on? She said, well, they cut off my electricity. I cannot pay the bills, so they cut my electricity. I have, you know, I have food in the refrigerator, the kids, what am I gonna do? My father just took her, went up to uh, the accounting and banged on the table of the accountant there, said, write her a check. Write her a check right now, um, because she cannot pay her bill. And the accountant was, well, I can't do that. I can can give money in advance. My father just raged, raged. You're gonna write the check right now. He started shouting. so the owner of the plant came out, running out of the door. What's going on? What's going on? And my father shouts at him, now, a check now for her. Uh, the, her electricity was cut off. Going to pay her right now so she can go and pay the bill. And the owner says, write a check right now. You heard what the man said. He took the check, gave it to her, said, you're going to go now and pay the bill? The time for today is covered for you don't worry about that come tomorrow uh, when things are fine so that's the spirit thing that I got from my dad it's the spirit of contribution taking care of people and I think it truly aligns with what Lynette said that our basic need is to contribute and we feel good when we're contributing and helping others sometimes you know when we see someone who's homeless on the street. Um, very old, so our old, our judgment doesn't uh, flare up too much, and you know we give them this uh, ten dollars, and we know they're going to have a hot meal because of that. How do we feel inside? We feel great, and I think coaches stumble into coaching, in a way, as another tool to empower that basic need of contribution. We like to contribute, and we feel good as we contribute. So maybe it's a very selfish but hey, others are getting some benefit. I know that we're sometimes ending a coaching session and we look up and we say, thank you. Mm -hmm. Just Thank you for putting me here in service of what just happened. I do feel coaching is, is like a pipe. We're a tool and we're helping others and it feels great. And I think every coach had their moment where they could actually see the impact of coaching And empowering people, as you said, René. I think it's a very important word in coaching, empowering. And you just say thank you. And now you want more of this. And that's why you go and keep learning and diving and improving your coaching skills. Because, yeah, I want more moments of that.
2: I I truly believe you. Um, And I want to now make things a bit more difficult because I have a question that I'm curious about. Um, You know, you were saying that story about... Uh, your fa- the the plant that your father was working in, and I'm thinking to myself that the industrial era is over, um, and people, I think the average uh, time that a person is is in one job is about two years. Maybe that you know, maybe in Intel it's longer. It, maybe in larger corporations there, there are people that tend to stay stick around longer, but you know, even if it's a startup, a uh, small company. Um, it's very difficult to sustain a group of people that are aligned around the same mission and vision. And I'm trying to understand how can managers truly be there and create a sort of culture because, you know, those words are thrown around all the time now. It's like very trendy to talk about mission and vision and brand framework. But at the end of the day, Besides, uh, you know, that, um, list of values that people work with some agency to write, I don't know how much that meets reality. And then people are sort of being opportunistic, which is legit and just jumping onto the next opportunity. And I believe, and I'm sure I'm in a good crowd here, that if you, with the right leadership, people will prefer to stay even, uh, if they get, they get less money or other Perks that they could have got, gotten somewhere else, and I believe that people listening to this that are on the same page with me are actually curious on how they can sustain uh, a company where people actually want to stay with them and follow them and be a part. So, what would you tell people who are genuinely striving to to that direction?
0: I would say um, I'll start. I know Lynette has a lot to say about that. See the people. And when I mean see the people, you see them as they are with their struggles, with their challenges. I think that in the business world today and reading so many articles, we allow in a way only three emotions, engaged, inspired, motivated. Yet people come with a whole set of emotions. We have fear, we have sadness, we have anger. People are overwhelmed, they're stressed, they're anxious. I think for a manager to see the person, not the role, and acknowledge that and say, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be sad or it's okay to be anxious. There's a big change coming to our company uh, or there's a milestone coming and you're stressed. Yeah, I see that. You know what? I'm stressed too. Let's let's stay with that for a minute. It's okay to feel that way, and let's see how we can work through that together. When you come, and I, I call it the end result, if you can create a culture, when you come in and you need as few masks as possible to operate in, you can be more of yourself in this place. You would want to stay.
2: How do you do that?
0: Accessing feelings, acknowledging feelings, slowing down just a little bit to see the person. So for example, um, there is a big change coming in. You come to the meeting and said, hey, um, there's a big change coming. And you know what? There's so many things we still don't know. And I don't know how, how you feel, but I'm anxious. Because I don't know everything. And yes, I'm your manager, but I'm anxious. And I'm sure each and every one of you is thinking right now, well, how is that going to impact me? Now, here's what I do know about this. And maybe we can think together what we can do about this.
1: I'd like to offer a couple things too. I want to step back for a second on this. I appreciate what you're pointing to at the very beginning around, you know, culture, vision, mission, all of that kind of stuff. Um, Nir and I have a, belief, and I, I don't know that this is our original idea, but um, the, the sentiment is really an important one, and that is a culture of a team or a, a, an organization, a, a company, is what the leader creates, allows, and promotes, and they're doing it all the time, so by every decision, they're shaping the culture by what they say and what they don't say shapes the culture. If somebody does amazing work and I don't say a word about it as a leader, I've just said that is the expectation and you don't get thanks around this organization. That is the culture that I have just recreated by not saying something. So having that in our minds, and it's not meant to be like a burden on on leaders, but to say, how do I use that knowledge of what I'm doing What that my culture is really about, what am I creating, allowing, and promoting? And it's all the time in every decision and what I say and where I put my attention. The other one, and this connects directly to some of what Nir was pointing to, is this you know, he talked about can people bring themselves, the you know, their challenges, all of that to the table. Um, That's a sense of belonging. So, I'm a believer in well, let me say it this way. Social scientists, someone out there has come up with something like 150 basic human needs, kind of needs of people, regardless of where they are in the world, you know, what kind of role they have, how they're living. Um, I, I like to distill it down to a very, very small number. So I think of four. And leaders can help employees with this so we've already talked about one of them and that is contribution am i contributing to something that is beyond me it's pretty basic human need that people have the second one that's closely closely related is meaning why is this important this matters because of something i'm creating a technology that is going to improve people's lives i'm i'm offering a service that helps bring joy to people. I I don't know. The third one is um, belonging. I've got to feel like I belong here. I matter. You're going to notice if I'm not here. And then the fourth one is a sense of, I call it agency, which is I have some ability as an employee to make some choice, to choose how I do my work. Um, I have a voice in being able to shape what what's happening. And so contribution meaning belonging and agency are pretty fundamental. And so as a leader, if I'm paying attention to those things, I think it's a pretty strong recipe for inspiring people to stay and to want to continue to be in that place. It's hard to leave when you say this is the place I belong. And to near's point, yeah, I'm having, a, you know, a challenge outside of work, you know, my father is sick or whatever, and that there's room for that. That means I belong, because I'm accepted with, you know, my gifts and and challenges that I may bring to the table. So I think, you know, c- competing only on on money isn't going to do it and perks and all of that other stuff. But, <clears throat> excuse me but when we have those four things in place it's much more likely that people are are not going to just follow the you know the dollar sign or follow the money but say yeah this is a place where i can really thrive
2: thank you so much for saying this because at the end of the day even if people are going to be paying attention to those things from selfish reasons, uh, I think it would be the sort of very healthy uh, sort of selfishness. Um, and, And I think that many times also managers are simply under so much stress that they forget to sort of Open their eyes and look at the people in front of them. Not to mention, with remote work uh, and COVID, and people not actually being in the presence of the people that they work with, it's very easy to become detached. And I think becoming being detached is a very clear path towards people not feeling any of the things that you've mentioned. Uh, so thank you for yes. So thank you for being so clear and articulate about this. Um, I want to be respectful of your time because I know you you both have coaching sessions sessions and things to do now. um, so I want to ask you guys what is your superpower?
1: Nir will laugh <laughs> at this one because I think he knows what I'm gonna say. I've realized that I'm not brilliant, but I can spot brilliance
2: <laughs>
0: That's absolutely her superpower
1: and one it is, of them. It's really, really useful to go. Oh, I could spot the brilliance, whether it's I spot the brilliance in you, my coaching client, or I spot the brilliance in an idea or an approach. Um, so yeah, that's that's one that I might offer. And your kryptonite? My kryptonite. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um yeah, my my kryptonite is it's one of these funny things because I think it's actually both a, a gift and it's a kryptonite, and that is my incessant need to learn. I want to learn. I'm always learning. And so the, the kryptonite part of that can be, oh, here's a new idea. And does it, does it take me off in a different path as opposed to here's the path continue with this longer vision?
2: No, that sounds pretty good, but okay. We'll take it. I'll tell you this.
3: Always the superpower is a kryptonite. Okay. And the, the, the simplest and stupid example I can give is the thing that you fall in love with is usually the thing that you're scared of and hate because you're falling in an attribute. So it's the same thing with the superpower because it takes so, so. It's the thing that you do so well that you do so well that you do so well. And it's sort of like that. And I have to say from this conversation, I totally understand the the teamwork here because if if I have to give it a word... I think your superpower is enabling, uh, like you, you're a super enabler. Like you're always, how can I be impactful? How can I give others? How can I enable them to do that? How can, so you're always on that action ability also on the descriptions of the and also seeing brilliance is enabling, right? And it's not saying it's my idea. It's saying I can see a great idea. So you're like the super enabler. Oh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's great. Thank you. should go near. The sign in the office. Yeah. near.
3: I asked this question
0: so many times people, so what are your superpowers? And I didn't ask that for myself lately. So I I I needed the time to think, what is my superpower? Um, I would say my superpower is love and caring for others from a really deep place. And it's a place that I'm connecting more and more these days with. Um, And I think that My kryptonite is that for a long time, I didn't turn it also to myself to balance things. So um, I haven't given myself too much, Um, let's call it in in my younger years, I was, I'm what I call a recovered pleaser. And uh, today I try to balance that. So my need to love and care and help and enable does not take away from me. So I'm taking
3: care of myself so I can take care of, of others. I I agree. But again, because like, again, this is just an offering because I agree it's love and also communication skills, but it is empathy. Okay. So your superpower of empathy is also your kryptonite of empathy um, and a perspective. And it, it, like exactly think about the impactfulness that you talked about your dad. So what the love is, the empathy that you have to other. And that's why you're giving other, like, that's why I understand you guys together. Cause that's amazing that there's an enabler and an empathy of perspective there. Like that's like, that's like, that's like, uh, maybe the enabler saw the genius of having an empathetical, you know what I mean? Like I can, I can understand that. And that's why on that side, like it uh, explains a lot. Uh, I really love that thought. So thank you for that. It was a great epiphany for me. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. We know you have to go, but this was amazing, and I think we could spend hours speaking to you guys. You know, there's so much to unpack. So
3: it was like, thank you for the session. I will try and execute, and I'll come back to you guys. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank yeah. you
1: both. I appreciate both. the questions and and your listening that you offered us. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you so thank much. You. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye. Real life.
2: Superpowers.
3: It's alive! real life
1: superpowers